Welcome back to Gal on the Go Unplugged. My guest today is Liz Bennett, a four-time cancer survivor, including melanoma, thyroid, basal cell, and breast, all of which she was diagnosed with and battled in just an eight-year span of time. But did she let any of that stop her? No way. Liz used her health challenges to create the bomb box, curated kits for both cancer patients and caregivers. Hey, Liz, thank you for coming on Unplugged. Thanks for having me. I cannot wait to share about your business. Thanks. You are an amazing woman, to say the least. Uh, The bomb box is the brainchild of your direct experience as a cancer patient and survivor. Please explain the meaning and purpose behind your unique business. Yeah, well, like I, like you said, it is a very unique experience having had four different cancers come up back to back to back in the space of eight years. Um, that was it was just a bizarre and crazy and intense time period. Um, and I think that you know part of that process is you learn how to be a good patient, right? And you learn how to be a good caregiver. And um, part of that experience was, you know, as a patient having the number one thing that people say to you, the minute you tell them you've been diagnosed or you have a surgery coming up or treatments coming up is the first thing you say is, what can I do? And it is so very difficult as a patient to actually ask for help. Like what you actually need help with, what you actually want and need are not things that you can very easily directly ask for, right? I can't say to to my neighbor, they say, what can I do? Well, you know, if you came in and cleaned my kitchen, that would be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you just, you know, especially for, you know, people outside your inner circle, right? It's just, they want to be genuinely helpful, right? And so then what they end up doing is they end up buying you a lot of food and flowers. And and a lot of, and especially when you have kind of a more, um, I hate to say this, but like popular cancer or well-known cancer, like breast cancer, a lot of pink stuff. And it's just so well-meaning, right? It's so well-meaning because people want to help. They want to provide, they want to show that they care, but what they end up providing is genuinely not terribly helpful. And I thought there's this huge cadre, right? Of family and friends that desperately want to genuinely support their friends and family who are undergoing cancer treatments. And there are cancer patients that are receiving a whole bunch of stuff that they genuinely don't want. And I thought, wow, there's a real business here and I need to connect those two dots. And I should go back and say, when I had this idea, I thought maybe it was just me. Like maybe I was the one that didn't want a kicking cancer tote bag. And I really, really was not comfortable wearing breast cancer warrior t-shirts around town. Like that just is not my style to advertise my diagnosis on, on my shirt or my, my, you know, backpack and, um, made me really uncomfortable. And so, um, I wrote a survey 
And um, I sent it to every single person in my email address book. And it was over the pandemic when we were all sitting at home and bored and had nothing to do. And I said, hey, could you answer my survey and then share it with other people you know? It'd be really helpful just to like, you know, get ideas. And the survey went down two paths. One path went down and asked cancer patients, what are some of the things that you wanted and needed and liked to receive as gifts when you were going through treatment. And if you had never had cancer, if you were a gift buyer, right, what did you buy? And that survey was so informative, right? Because you saw this huge disconnect where patients really wanted functional, useful items. Like the top five items that people wanted were like all functional. Fleece blankets, um, lip balm, lotion, ice packs, right? Like they wanted things that they could use. And the top five item and the bottom, like the things that nobody wanted, the things that everyone got the absolute lowest ratings were kicking cancer tote bags, kicking cancer coffee mugs, worry stones, inspirational books of poetry, right? And you can see, and then you ask, you know, gift buyers, what are you buying? And it's mostly flowers and food. So I thought, wow, there's this, again, like we, there's a business here, right? Let's, let's, Bring, let's bridge that gap. Let's provide patients with genuinely helpful, useful care packages. And let's give gift buyers a care package to buy, right? That's going to actually be wanted and needed and used. Um, and that was that was the inspiration. And it, you know, it was a long time coming. If you go back to, I had this idea for Bombbox back in 2017 when I was going through radiation treatment for breast cancer. And I just monkeyed around with like a business plan in my very finite spare time. And then in 2020, I sent out that survey and it was sort of that moment of truth where I thought, oh, this is a business and I want to do it. And we turned our lives upside down as my family and I quit, you know, my full-time job and <laughs> uh, and we launched the bomb box in fall of 2020. You are brave on like endless levels for, well, you know, yeah. all the things you've uh, battled and overcome health wise, you know, you risking and giving up your job and the safety of, let's say that if any job is, you know, quote unquote safe and, yeah, you know, starting a business like that's just blows me away truly. And you have such incredible points. Like, I love the fact that you covered both cancer patients and caregivers and didn't just think of one or the other. I, I think you tackled a tough subject because like as a person who has been the buyer, right? So I want to get you what you want. One, because I don't want it to be wasteful of money and you truly do want it to be useful person. But I think people like get stressed you know, feeling they can't come up with good ideas. And then they just get the probably, I hate to say it, like more junk type gift. That's totally. like the, the that's what I'm saying. It's, the, it's, there's nothing. It's all well-meaning, right? It's yeah. all well-meaning. Like you, you, if you search in Google shopping, even today, breast cancer gift, you're going to see a sea of pink crap, right? That's what you're going to see. And I will tell you, like October, I have just, I have this real love-hate relationship with the month of October being Breast Cancer Cancer Awareness Month. Like on the one hand, all the, here in Kansas City, like they'll dye, we have a bunch of fountains and they dye the fountains pink and it's very pretty. Um, and they have, you know, pink bunting all over the town and the big, um, you know, the big um, skyscrapers have pink lights and it's all very pink, 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 pink. And um, <laughs> I, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I feel it makes me uncomfortable. It's not, it, I just think as a breast cancer patient, I, I would 
And and look, if all of this pink bunting helps more women remember to get their mammograms, I'm all over it, right? That's great. Sure. So important, right? But at the end of the day, I think that um, being reminded constantly of your diagnosis and that you're a warrior and a survivor and all that stuff, like, I don't know that that's, I mean, what choice do you have, right? Just to curl up and say, all right, that's it. No way. That's not an option. So I love it. And that's so to, valid. And it's great to know, like, your perspective, you know, as a survivor, because Again, I think people are trying to like guess or make assumptions from the heart that might not be the best assumptions. And you just completely blew my mind and um, <laughs> turned my thoughts around on, you know, now <laughs> what, uh, how I should be thinking for people. <laughs> well, it's a, I mean, but again, if you don't know any better, you don't know any better, right? I mean, that's the, if, it's, it's completely understandable. Before I had any of these diagnoses, I would have thought that sending somebody um, a tray full of cookies or, you know, really heavily scented flowers was a great idea. And then you find <laughs> out later, oh, you know, you feel really nauseous and sick and maybe cookies aren't the best thing for you. Or, um, you know, especially when you're going through chemotherapy, a lot of scents and odors can be a trigger for that really delicate nausea. And so flowers oh, wow. are honestly the worst thing to send. So, um, but you don't know, how do you not know? I mean, not everyone has had this experience before. So that was the whole point. Like how can we take, you know, people's actual lived experiences and then translate that into beautiful, elegant, curated, thoughtful, useful items. And that, and that was the, that was the thought behind it. And it's going great. You know, it's still here, Ooh. knock on wood. <laughs> I love that. Uh, and that's why I, I really, you know, appreciate platforms like this for sharing people like you and your stories, because I think this really helps, you know, um, you know, with people knowing um, what you've experienced and the whys behind, you know, what you did, what you did. Okay, so there's a quote on your website that I love. It, it says, sometimes the finish line is actually the starting line. What significance does that quote have to you that you uh, included it on your website? So when I, it's so interesting. Like if you go through the eight years of cancer treatments, the very first cancer I was diagnosed with was melanoma. It was a, it's, crazy. It was a very large melanoma on my leg. Um, I went from a diagnosis on a Tuesday to surgery on a Friday that we had to wait until Monday to get the pathology report. And on Monday, we would either find out whether I had six months to live or I just need to wear more sunscreen. Like those were the choices. That's a pretty drastic <laughs> Yeah. And at the time, you know, my kids were babies. I had a three-year-old and one-year-old at home and it was wow. just, it was so intense. Um, and so, you know, got the call, pathology, you know, they hadn't spread, they caught it early enough, wear some more sunscreen, have a nice life. 11 months later, <laughs> I was diagnosed with, um, uh, thyroid cancer. And with the thyroid cancer, they were like, okay, well, you need to do these 8 billion different labs ahead of time. So, you know, we'll schedule your surgery for two months. And I was like in a panic, like, wait, you mean I don't have to have surgery on Tuesday? You know? And so they were, it was just, I felt like it, they'd stretched it all out, but it gave me the be the benefit of the doubt and I could plan. Um, and so, you know, I had childcare and meals and my, you know, I had organized things with my staff and, you know, it was all fine and I was ready and, and prepared and that, you know, in retrospect, that was quite the gift, right? The ability, the ability to be organized. And um, when I, what I was not prepared for is that I ended up in this 
itty bitty, super teeny tiny um, category of patients. Two, this happens to 2% of patients that had the surgery that I did. I became what's called hypocalcemic. I won't go into all the dramatic fun of it, but I was stuck in the hospital for two weeks. And I spent about a year trying to kind of figure out how to um, manage my medications and my exercise and my nutrition to get myself healthy again. And it was really, really hard. And I think that the whole, that whole process taught me that medicine is as much art as science, that doctors don't always know. Um, and that um, there is a huge amount of trial and error when it comes to, well, try this med. And if that doesn't work, then we'll try this dosage. And if that doesn't work, we'll try this one. And they just, you know, you just have to kind of trial and error until you figure it out, which makes made me realize that I had to take a more active role in my treatment plan. And then, so you fast forward all the way through to breast cancer. And by the time I had, oh, so I'll say the third cancer I had was basal cell and it was not like a fast acting cancer, um, which was good and it wasn't lethal, but it did need to be removed. The downside is it was right on the top of my nose and what, you know, a listener can't see it and you almost can't even see because I have really good lighting right now in our Zoom, <laughs> but I have, um, I have a lot of freckles. And so you can't um, just replace, like they couldn't take off the chunk of skin off my nose and replace it with a little piece for my neck because I would look like I had a patch on my face. Like it just wouldn't work. And so when I went to the plastic surgeon to try to find out, you know, what is the surgery that will remove the cancer from my nose? He wanted to develop this scar. Then basically he wanted to cut a line from the inside of my, um, like right where that, you know, your trying to think how to describe it, like on the inner part of your eye and then just draw a line all the way through your laugh line down to your chin. And then he would use that, um, that cut to stretch the skin, to recover the, the gaping lack of skin on my nose. And I thought, well, okay, so I'm going to have a scar that, you know, goes down the middle of my face. It looks like, you know, I've been in a knife fight. And he's like, yep. When do you want to schedule your surgery? And I was like, well, you know, uh, how about else is out there? Yeah, and so I went in and got second and third opinions, and I found a really great surgeon who had a different alternative plan. And his surgery was way more invasive. It was insane. Like they had to, he cut this like line in my nose, and I was awake for this, which I do not recommend. Oh my god! Take the drugs when you can. I love it. <laughs> Um, and he, they stretched the skin around my face. Like, you know, when you stick your hand inside, like the skin of a chicken to like stuff the herbs and stuff and like the turkey, that was my face. Like they had their hands in my face, they stretched oh. out the skin and then they put this like patch on it. And I walked around like that for 10 days while the skin like loosened up. And then I'd go back in to get it closed up. But lo and behold, a year later, I had no scar. Like you, I mean, it was incredible. So I signed up for a way more invasive, way more painful procedure. But like, again, I did it knowingly, right. That I was going to avoid being scarface at age 40, right. Like that was, I had a lot of life to live. It's not, I mean, it might sound vain, but I don't think anybody wants to run through life with a giant scar on your face. That looks like, you know, like you've been knifed. So it's not vain um, at all. And your face looks beautiful, by the way. And I know you're well, not wearing makeup. You can't so. <laughs> tell he's really good. Uh, and so I'm telling you, find yourself a good plastic surgeon covered by your insurance company. Um, and so, um, so then you fast forward to the breast cancer and you know, it, it is just, a, it is very confusing and you don't know what you want to do. But at the same time, I learned that all those three different cancers really taught me that you have to be more active in your treatment plan that just, that 
again, there's as much art as there is science to deciding a cancer patient's treatment plan. And there's going to be a fair amount of subjectivity as to like, how invasive do you go? And what is the patient comfortable with? And I really wanted to participate in that conversation as opposed to being like dictated how to, what my, my treatment plan was going to be. And so I was much more active in that role, but you can imagine through all this, going back to your question, the finish line is the starting line. Yeah, you learn, you learn, you learn, you learn to be more active. I learned to to become an active participant with my doctors, to select doctors that were willing to have those conversations with me. Not all are. There were for sure some doctors that were really, you know, their role is medical dictator and that's how they work and, you know, take it or leave it. And I was like, peace out folks. I'm out. That's not for me. Wow. And, um, and so by the time I was done with my radiation treatments for breast cancer, it was, um, the week after Thanksgiving in 2017. And my girlfriends wanted to throw me a party to celebrate, right? We had to acknowledge that we were done. And um, these are my girlfriends who for the past, oh my gosh, I'm going to age myself trying to think my, it was, it's been over 10 years running together. And so we've done all sorts of 5Ks together. These are friends that I once have done a half marathon. I have not done another one. <laughs> it was, it's a one and done for me. Um, and I did do a very mini triathlon um, with one of these girlfriends. But for the most part, we get together weekly and we run, you know, somewhere between five and, and 10 miles. And the, and so we're always talking about getting to the finish line, right? Like getting to then when we're done with our run, we go and have coffee and we gossip. And um, so the finish line is like the end of the work, right? In our minds, like, you know, the the finish line has this kind of meaning. And so they threw me a party called the finish line. And um, it was awesome. It was like one of the greatest nights, right? Like I had friends that came from all over and it was as much, I think, a celebration of the end of breast cancer treatments as it was to like, kind of like putting like a period on the end of that eight year period of like all that cancer. Like we kept thinking this has got to be it, right? And so um, it was that night that I started really, really seriously thinking about the bomb box, right? So if you think about that finish line, yeah, it ended one thing. I hope, knock on wood, I'd, I'd like to think I'm done with all of my cancers. Yes, um, yes. But it was the starting line, right? It was the beginning of kind of changing my career path and, you know, and really my whole life, right? To become an entrepreneur and launch my own business and hopefully make a difference in these patients' lives, which is pretty cool. Well, uh, thank you for sharing that because that is like the deepest of meaning to quotes that I have ever heard. So I absolutely love that. Now I think that, you know, I I was like, oh, wow, when I read that on your site and now I'm like, oh, wow, even more so. Oh, thank you. Yeah. What has been one of your greatest surprises that you've experienced either good or bad as a (laughs) business owner with the bomb box? I mean, there's so many, every day there's surprises. I would say for sure the most surprising thing for me was if you go back to whatever it was spring of 2020, when I sent out that survey to validate, you know, the business model, the best surprise, I wasn't sure, right. The best surprise was that I wasn't alone, that my overall perspective um, as a patient mirrored that of so many other patients. That was amazing. That was very validating, right. Just as a human. And then also of course, as as a business owner, I wanted to make sure that there was a business there before I, you know, straight up, 
<laughs> went rogue. But um, so that was awesome. And and the other piece of it that, you know, I've spent 20 plus years um, as a marketing executive and done plenty of market research. And it was amazing to me, like the sense of community that how many people answered the survey who obviously had no idea who I was because that thing went viral. There, You know, for certainly the first 20 or 30 responses I knew who those people were, but it just went on and on and on and on. It just kind of took on a life of its own and it collected over 500 responses, which was amazing. Wow. And with no incentive, like as a marketer, I know that you typically have to be like, answer our survey and we'll give you cash or a chance to win or some other like really exciting incentive. And then you still only get a really small number of people to answer that dang survey because, you know, people don't like to give up their time or energy or input. But for whatever reason, this particular topic just caught fire and people were into it um, and willing to give me their time and input. I certainly think I lucked out in that I did it during the pandemic when people were looking for stuff to do and online. That was certainly very helpful. I don't know that I could recreate that again this year, right? But it was still, that was also an amazing surprise. So the combination that it went viral was awesome. And then that it came back and validated, right? That my experience was not in actually all that unique was also awesome. Well, that's really cool because you know what, if people are going to at any time participate in a survey, right, where there's nothing to gain, I feel like that's the type of survey that they should be doing that for. So it like really makes my heart smile to hear that (laughs) because it's like one of those things where, yes, something good about like the world, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's like very refreshing to hear. Yes, uh, people aren't all horrible, I promise, right? I mean, we, <laughs> we hear about that a lot more than we do about the good. And I'm telling you, there's so Yeah, we need more good nuggets like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I hope if you do choose to do like a follow-up survey of some kind, the second one crushes it because now it'll be maybe based more even on like awareness and like, you know. For um, sure. Yeah, yeah, so. for sure. Uh, well, okay. So you have three product lines that are part of your business, breast cancer surgery, radiation therapy, and chemotherapy. Why did you choose those specific lines and where can people buy them? Yeah. So we had to focus in, I mean, going back to just the overall business model, we had to keep our product line tight in order to work with the cash we had to work with, right? Like you just can't buy, you can't, it, we're a retail business. And as I say, as, as I have, remember professors telling me, re, you know, product is cash on shelves, right? Like, so there's only so much product you can even have in inventory, right? So we have to be really tight and careful with the inventory that we carry. And so we had to focus. Um, it couldn't just be for any cancer treatment. It had to be really focused. And, um, and so I looked at, we looked at a lot of things and i centered on breast cancer as an initial cancer to focus on for a couple of reasons. One, I've had that experience. And so there's, you know, it, I lend that lends some credibility, certainly right to the product line that I, I had. These are things that I personally understand how they would be used and or have used myself. And then the second being, it's one of the most pervasive cancers out there. It's bananas. One in every eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer in her lifetime. One in eight. It is That's, so yeah. many. It is a lot. And so again, and just in terms of market size, right? That's a relatively large market size. Um, so we focused on all the tools that you, a breast cancer patient specifically would want and need. 
Um, so you start with now, and again, the treatment plan can goes in different order for different patients. Sometimes patients start with surgery and then they have chemotherapy and then they have radiation. Sometimes they start with chemotherapy and then they have surgery and then they have radiation. So the order is a little bit jumbled. It kind of depends on the patient, but um, we wanted to make sure that we had products for, because the things that you want to need in those three stages tend to be a little bit discreet, right? There's some things that you use all the time. Ice packs that won't sweat through your clothes. Everyone wants those and you need them for everything. <laughs> those are awesome. Uh, but there are some things like, you know, things that specifically address nausea, for example, that's really more of a chemotherapy item, um, specialty pillow products that um, are great for surgery and then great again when you come back and you do them, use them for radiation, right? So there's there's like a little bit of mixing and matching it with that as well. Um, for sure, our chemotherapy and radiation lines, even though... Um, you know, the business was launched with a focus on breast cancer. There's very little differential differentiation. If you are undergoing, you know, chemotherapy for leukemia, you're going to find our chemotherapy line just as useful, right. As a breast cancer patient. Sure. Um, but in terms of like our outreach and advertising, we do focus on breast cancer just because um, as a small business, we have to be really careful and focused with our finite resources. And that makes so much sense. I never thought about that. Just depending on like what phase someone's at and the awareness actually of your business. Like when do they find out about it at what phase they're at, you know, like right, and they could find it at thing. any time. And that's why we actually have this cute little quizlet on the homepage where if, you know, we'll recommend a product based on you, um, what your what you know, right, about your friend or family member, because a lot of times people don't know where their friend or family member is in their treatment plan. Although I will tell you, like, at least according to the results of that little survey, about 80% do. They do know where they are, like whether they're, so it's not, it's only 20, maybe to 30% that aren't totally sure. Um, And even for those that aren't sure, we have just the generic cancer care package that has a little bit of everything, right? So you can, you have that choice as well. But the, um, the idea being that most people actually do have a pretty good idea of where their friend or family is in their treatment path. And then that way they have even more confidence that they're going to get them something that can be used in that moment that they're not going to have to wait to use. Oh, that's very cool. Now, okay. So with those, um, you know, various types of uh, packages, where can people get them? Yes, they can get, our <laughs> website is the bomb box of so the T-H-E-B-A-L-M box.com. And I was just telling you, we're really excited. Um, This summer, CVS picked up two of our specialty pillow products. You can actually buy our side relief pillow, which is this really unique, cool pillow that I helped design and we manufacture with this amazing um, woman-owned manufacturing plant out in Virginia. Like they're also amazing. Um, And it's this like really cool horseshoe-shaped pillow that you can tuck under your arm. And so like one of the things that you don't realize when you have a breast surgery or even like radiation anywhere in your upper torso, that the weight or the friction of your arm is really bothersome to your chest. And so this pillow is really awesome because it you tuck it underneath the, and it kind of holds underneath your armpit, which is um, just based on the shape alone. So you don't have to strap it in. You have to do anything. You just tuck it under there and it just provides that like relief because it separates the weight of your arm from your body, which is really nice. Oh, and wow. Then other one, the other pillow product that is awesome is our seatbelt shield. Again, it's like all the little things that you don't realize that are going to be so challenging, 
But when, especially again, when you're a breast cancer patient, your upper torso, you get in a, a car and the seatbelt going across your upper body is really painful because you're just whole upper chest area, whether you've had a lumpectomy or a mastectomy um, or anything in between in the upper torso, the rubbing or and or the tension of the seatbelt is really painful. And so we have these like really, again, there's like really uniquely T-bone shaped pillows that you don't have to strap them in. You don't have to Velcro them in. You just kind of tuck them in between your body and the seatbelt and the tension in the seatbelt will hold it in place. And it provides some separation again of the seatbelt to your body. Um, yeah. So those two different pillow products we manufacture um, and now you can buy them on CVS, which is really cool. That is amazing. So you heard of people go out to your CVS support and search the bomb box. And when you go to CVS.com, just search bomb, the bomb box and you'll find them. And it's uh, also one of my favorite things when it's a woman owned company, like you are supporting another woman owned company, yes. like, and you, yes. you know, come together. Yes. That's just like uh, awesome to me. Um, I remember when I first went to your website and reached out to you a while back that like, I saw the um, pillow that was for the seatbelt and I thought it was genius. I was like, oh my God, that's like such a cool item. Um, so props to you. Those items are so well. I would love to take credit for the idea of a seatbelt shield. I certainly have done a lot as we've for the past two years, you know, we continue to kind of improve on the design of it. But um, the idea of that seatbelt shield actually, when I went to when I had my breast surgery, my the there's a group of nuns that made these, they were similar, but not the same, these seatbelt pillows that they would give to all of my doctor's patients. And so I got one and it was like my favorite thing. And I used it all the time and I loved it. And then, um, my horrible dog who we've discussed, I love my dog, but she's terrible. She chewed it up one day. She thought she confused it for one of her chew toys and she destroyed it. And it made me really sad. And, um, so, so, so again, it, to be fair, it was my, my, these nuns that had this idea and, and there are lots and lots of seatbelt shields out there, but ours is unique in that it doesn't require you to like strap it or Velcro it in. It's just much more flexible and versatile so that you can also like take it wherever you go. So if you're the driver or the passenger, you just drop it in your, you know, in your purse and bring it with you. Oh, that's great. I love, you know, something that's like, um, you know, very versatile too. In yes. addition to yeah. that practical, that that's, that's the, that's the... <laughs> now. Okay. So your products, obviously given what the purpose, you know, of your products are, they're very healing. And I was just wondering, like, have you experienced healing in return through your business? Like how you offer to other people through your products? I mean, in in its own way. Yeah. Right. Like that I do still see every single gift message that runs through the site. And like, anytime you're having a bad day, just read through the gift notes, right. That people are sending with their packages and they just regularly take my heart away. And it's, they're so filled with like love and encouragement and humor and I don't know, and inspiration. Like I just, I feel like we're doing something good, right? Like I love that. That makes me feel, that gives me like hope, right? That we're, that I'm on the right track, right? That this is a worthwhile endeavor. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. You are beyond on the right track with this. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So 
has a customer ever, you know, like you've seen the notes and those have had an impact on you. Has a customer though ever directly reached out to you to share, um, you know, a story and did that story have an um, unexpected effect on you? And I mean, your, I, and it's or hard your to answer because we are still really new. Um, I definitely get feedback all the time. I get a lot more feedback from the gift buyers who are so grateful, right? So the gift buyers that come back and they'll, they'll write reviews on the site about how the feedback they got on their product. So because, you know, the the end user patient isn't typically the buyer, right? I sure. don't necessarily hear from them per se, but we hear a lot from the gift buyers who are so grateful and rave about how useful things were. I had one customer who um, sent me a, a private email that was amazing about how she has two sisters and they each ended up with breast cancer like three months apart. And she bought the first one, a bomb box. And then as soon as the second one was diagnosed, she knew exactly what to get her. And she was so grateful that she didn't have to search and she just knew exactly where to go and how like that filled her with confidence. And she couldn't, you know, she lived out of state. And so she wanted to be helpful to her sister and was really so relieved that she could help her. I mean, so those kinds of messages are amazing, right? Like, again, it goes back to like those gift messages or in that feedback that makes me feel like, you know, there. you think about going back to things that you do for the caregiver, caregivers want to feel like they're helping. And I think I'd like to think, right, that we're doing that, that you're giving the caregiver um, a sense of completions, you know what I mean? At least trying well, to help alleviate their concern for their friend or family member, right? That they're doing something genuinely helpful. Absolutely. Because your your gifts, like, you know, to your point, like the items that you sell, your products are, you know, practical. They're meant for a specific purpose. So, you know, there's a, a, such a, like, a, almost like priceless value to that, especially in the circumstances of which they're being used by the people, you know, or a reason why they're being used by the people. Um, and that's just uh, truly incredible to me. Um, and uh, what a cool thing. I didn't even think about that. Like, you know, it's unfortunate that um, women, for instance, had multiple um, experiences in her family that, you know, she needed those uh, products, but what a cool thing on the positive flip side of it, that you were there to, you know, help give her something that she could then pass along that was um, so valued, you know, um, and to have it there again. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I was, I was really happy about that. I like, I like the, those are the best, right? Absolutely. And okay. So I know your business is fairly new, you know, but kind of like thinking ahead of the future and stuff, do you have, um, you know, uh, plans for how you would like to kind of like evolve it or grow it coming up ahead in the next year or so? I mean, I have the the problem. I think you ask any entrepreneurs. I have more ideas than I have, you know, time and money to to explore. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's always the problem. Um, so there are things that I can't talk about quite right now. So there's some partnerships that we're talking to a couple of really really cool, going back to women owned uh, businesses that I'm really excited about, but not quite ready to chat about, unfortunately. 
Um, I think that the other growth area for the business really is to get more of those pillow products in retail store shelves um, because they are unique and there isn't anything else like that out there. And it's a great way to kind of introduce um, the brand and product to patients directly, right? Because I think that um, it, I think we're doing really well with caregivers and haven't quite figured out how to reach patients. And so um, that would be the other way to grow the business. And then of course, you know, exploring other cancers, right? That's the other way to grow the business. So I couldn't tell you exactly or exploring all of them, but I haven't picked a path quite yet. Well, I like the teaser. I can appreciate that. So it's all good. <laughs> that just means we have to have you back. We got when some you're irons ready. in the fire. We'll have and to kind of we'll, we'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll have you back and we'll promote the new things yeah. as they come along. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, um, to order items for your loved ones from Liz's company, as she had mentioned, go to her website at www thebombbox.com and check out her IG page featuring her great products, testimonials, and inspiring quotes at Bombbox IG. Thank you for taking the time to unplug with me today, Liz. Rock on. Rock on.